This is episode number 64 of the Birding Life podcast. My name is Adam and I'm your host in the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. On the day that this episode is being released, we are commemorating Youth Day in South Africa. To celebrate this, we have handed over the reins of this episode to Mark Haystick, the Birding Life Youth podcast host. He'll be having a chat to our Birding Life ambassadors and finding out all about birding from a youth perspective. This episode was lots of fun and we loved listening to it. Also be sure to tune into the Birding Life Youth Podcast this Saturday as Mark will be having a special interview with the Widows family who are doing a big year around South Africa as a family. As always, the Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes as well as the Birdlasser bird logging app Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts to help others to find the show. Please also tell others you know about the show. If you'd like to contribute to help us cover the cost associated with hosting the show, you can click on the link in the comment section of this podcast and simply buy us a coffee or two. So, without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. How's it, guys? My name is Mark Haystack, and I'm the host of the Birding Life Youth Podcast. But today, I'm hosting the Birding Life main podcast, although I'm not alone. I've got the rest of the Birding Life's ambassadors here. So, let's introduce you guys quickly. Uh, let's start with Yandre. Tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm 17 years old. I live in Pretoria, and... One of the main reasons why I started birding was because of my aunt. She's also a birder, so she inspired me, and I was fascinated in birds for my whole life. So, yeah, it just began there, and then it started building up, and yeah. Okay. Okay, Zach, how about you? How's it, guys? My name is Zach. I'm 17. I live in West Hall in KZN. I love um, chasing Kaysen rarities, so I'm Kaysen Nister. I really, really enjoy pelagic birding. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the future and many more rarities in the season to come. Cool, man. And Justin. How's everyone? I'm Justin. I've been birding for the last four or five years of my life. And ever since I started, I've just realized that there's so much more to, to birding than, than you realize. Mm. So I've I don't know if I'll ever be able to go back to the life that I used to live yeah. because birding is just, it's just something that's incredible. Tristan, how about you? Yeah. How's it everyone? I've been birding for quite a while now. I also chase a lot of rarities. I don't know. Yeah, I've been listing KZN birds now, recently started uh, many other hobbies. I love looking for reptiles while out in the field and learning from other people. Did I just hear a hardy door in the background of someone's um, audio? I think it was a baby or something. No. Oh, goodness. Okay, nice. Maybe Got a bit of atmosphere there. Or a cat. <laughs> Connor, how about you? How did you start birding? Uh, well, I, I started birding because I'm, I'm taking advantage of always being out in the bush, the game reserves, that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I started to take advantage of that. Okay, cool. And where are you based? I'm in Joburg. All right, Laka. So we're all South Africans and we're all under 19, I believe. Is that right? Anyone 19 yet? No. Okay, cool. So yeah. we're, all, we're all youth. Um, uh, but yeah, my name is Mark Hastick. I'm 17 and I live in the Garden Route, very close to Justin. Um, and I actually started birding with Justin. Um, we 
started just birding together in our neighborhood, got to know our surroundings. Then we joined our local bird club, which tremendously boosted our passion and our interest, also our knowledge in uh, birding and nature. And uh, yeah, from there, about four or five years ago, it just uh, exploded from there, really. And uh, yeah, birding is, is more than just a hobby, which we're going to talk about now. Uh, for many of us, it's uh, a lifestyle. And I think that is a very good reason where it, it uh, correlates, I could say, with the birding life, the birding life team, because the birding life is about, you know, how, how birders get out there, what they do, the community, and that um, for some of us, it's not just a hobby, it's actually a lifestyle. Okay, guys, so I'm actually so glad we're together finally, because for the last, I think, 10 hours, we've been trying to get onto this podcast together, but we've been um, stopped by load shedding. And if you don't know what load shedding is, because you don't live in South Africa, I suggest you Google it. It uh, prevents, prevents us from using electricity. So uh, at different parts of South Africa, we had electricity problems and now we're finally together. So I'm glad, Yandere's laughing there. I'm glad that we're finally actually talking and that the Birding Life Youth Ambassadors can finally have a talk. So speaking of um, load shedding, uh, I think you know load shedding causes a lot of um, animal life and bird life to actually behave in a different way because of the light pollution and the noise pollution that electricity can generate, you know, in urban areas. Um, but I, I kind of want to just start off. Uh, I had a very interesting sighting during a lockdown last year where during load shedding, I went on the roof and I was, and I was listening out for the spotted eagle owl that I heard in my neighborhood. <clears throat> so I just told my parents, listen, good night. I'm going on the roof quickly. So I grabbed my bins, I grabbed my camera and I was looking out for this owl and then it pitched up right on the tree next to my house. And then it, it flew closer to the closer tree. And then I gave it a call. I think it was a, it was a male and I gave it a female call with the three notes. And then it ended up flying right up to me onto the roof and sat right next to you. So I'm, I was lying on my roof with my camera over here, but I couldn't turn it towards the owl. Otherwise it would have flown away. It was less than a meter away from me. And although it's a common bird, it was very cool to get that experience, you know. Um, so that was that was a cool sighting during lockdown. But um, I want to ask you guys, a couple of you had some interesting sightings during lockdown. And uh, specifically, Yandre, um, you, you said you had an interesting sighting just during an average day at your house. Um, yes. So the one day a Western Osprey flew over my house, which was also a new bird for the pentad. Mm. And it's actually a rare bird for wider housing. So it's worth reporting. But I didn't know it at that time. But yeah, also had great sightings of great honey guides, little sparrow, um, black sparrow, peregrine falcons, and willow warblers. That's quite nice. Quite nice. Oh. Oh, that's a nice list of interesting birds. And Tristan, I believe you also had some interesting sightings. Tell us a bit about, about those. Yes. Um I luckily live just down the road or a few k's away from a nesting pair of crowned eagles. Most evenings or early mornings, I'll see the pair displaying above the house. So I have a joy of seeing them just about every day. Wow, that's nice. Anyone else had some interesting sightings during lockdown? Not quite a sighting, but during lockdown, I found that it, it basically boosted the passion because even though we couldn't get out to go birding, we'd find that we'd be waking up at six o'clock in the morning to get out into the roof to listen and look out for birds, yeah. even though we were, we were restricted to our houses. So that's, this just shows 
that not even a, not even a fence, not even a lockdown can prevent us birders from doing what we love. That's true. Yeah, I had a similar situation. Um, it became a routine very much in lockdown to actually get onto the roof at sunrise with a cup of coffee in my camping chair and just list all the birds I see on Bird Lasso on my phone. Um, we don't use eBird that much on this side of the world. Um, but yeah, atlasing to submit uh, data to uh, citizen science for South African Bird Atlasing Project 2 and uh, join the bird lasser challenge for lockdown, trying to see as many species as I can at my house. And I managed to get 90 species, which I was quite content with considering the area I'm in. But uh, I think you guys, there's quite a, a, um, a difference in the, the numbers we got because of the different areas we stay in the country. Um, so, so yeah, then every, every morning and every evening, I'd go into the roof for sunsets and, and sunrise and record the birds I see. And then in the middle of those two, I do my schoolwork that I get sent, which, uh, yeah, it did. It was, it was a hard time, but yeah, birding definitely saved me there. So I think that I don't know how many youth in the world would have been doing that kind of thing during lockdown. <laughs> I think they would have thought we're kind of crazy. Were there any similar instances that you guys had? I had a really good time. Um, I'm really privileged that I live on a farm. So as soon as we heard that lockdown was happening, we all headed back to the farm and so I spent time, I had a much larger area than everyone else. So I got sort of 130 species or almost 150 actually. And yeah, I really got some cool things. And I realized that you don't always have to travel to see really good birds. I managed to find uh, five African grasshoppers in a nearby reed bed. Um, I found Rufus Bresser Sparrowhawk. Later on in lockdown, when the migrants got back, I found pectoral sandpiper, Turkish sandpiper. I had a day where I had 10 individual blue swallows, which is a critically endangered species, found on the misfelt grasslands. Um, yeah, and so it really, really was a, a good time for me. And I was really privileged in that I had that all that space to explore. And yeah, and if there's one thing you can take away from that is that you don't always have to travel and chase things. You can find things on your doorstep right near your home. Um, yeah, that's, that's quite true. I think lockdown opened our eyes quite a lot. Um, and we're going sort of the topic here of youth birding, but just the stuff we saw was very interesting because, you know, sticking to your home area, uh, you kind of want to look more desperately for birds that you, 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 that you could see because now you don't, you don't have that privilege to travel to nature reserves or to these special spots that you usually go birding. You have to look at your home pentad, as we would say. Yeah, I mean, even the South African Rare Bird News was getting some interesting stuff uh, during these times, even though people weren't going out and you wouldn't actually expect that as many rare birds would be found because there weren't that many birders going out that much, except that we just all had an eye on the sky and we're checking out our local areas and that way rare birds were still being found. So it was a very interesting time. Um, but I kind of want to get onto the topic now about the stereotype of birding. It's seen as a very much of a, a hobby for old people and old people only. Now, why do you guys think it is seen as this kind of thing? You know, what are your, what are your thoughts? So I think the reason why they see it as a all people hobby is because all the people have more well maybe have more free time to go out and bird um they also have vehicles where um which can get them to nice places and we sh we sometimes struggle with lifts and getting to nice areas and having time for birding while we are still in school but you know we do make time to go out and bird and yeah, just see what we can get. 
Yeah, that's quite true. I saw, I can relate to that quite a lot. I saw this this funny meme photo of, um, it showed a, a penguin sitting on the beach and two ostriches like dashing off in the distance. And it, the caption was like, me sitting in school while the, the big shots go twitch a rarity or something like that. And I just felt so relatable to that image, you know, like I'm just a penguin here who has tiny legs and I can't go anywhere. Whereas these these big shots, you know, or the the older people or the people with cars, you know, they have the ability to go twitch or the people who are retired who have that luxury. It's, it's really cool. Um, they can go on twitches and stuff and that's great for them, you know, um, but it does, it does make us jealous. Uh, <laughs> so I think... Um, you know, being a young birder, there are these difficulties, which we'll discuss a bit later. But uh, is is any anything else that you guys want to say? Birding has seen as quite an old person sport because or hobby because it's it doesn't require as much active. You don't have to be as active to do it. Also, it seems from the outside, but as us birders would understand, it does require a lot of fitness. Some of us would have fallen into anthills while looking for <clears throat> reptiles or birds and some of us would have hiked 18 20 kilometers just in search of one single bird some of us would have also gone wading in waste deep water just to find the one bird that we that we need for our list so i think a lot of people think that it's a old people sport because you don't have to be active but we would know that you need a certain level of fitness to to participate in this hobby. Yeah. And with us with us younger birders doing it, we can see a lot more and get to a lot more places because of our fitness, our being young. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, you you will be surprised sometimes by the the older folk who who are actually fit enough to climb a mountain and uh, go look at a Cape Rock jumper or something. You know, I had that experience with you, Justin, when we climbed up the Otanuka Mountain and we found the Cape Rock jumper there. It was like an 18-kilometer walk just to see a bird, you know. And that's an example of something that's, you know, it def- it defeats the the point that it's an old person's hobby. So yeah, um, I think it it definitely requires a lot of patience when you go birding. Um, you think, yeah, you know, well, that is also part of the stereotype. You know, oh, it's about being patient and sitting in a bird hide uh, with, an, you know, just old people with their floppy hats carrying binoculars. And I think that's actually really cool. You know, wearing that gear, um, sitting in a bird hide with binoculars, waiting for the special African rail to pop out the reeds, or should we say African crake, because that's a bit more rare. That that that's really cool. Now that I'm into birding, but before that. Yes, like thinking about hanging out with older folk who walk around looking at birds. I never thought about that until I was 12 years old and started understanding and appreciating the adventurous parts about bird watching. So, um, yeah, what are some of the experiences to be specific that you guys have had that kind of defeat the point that it's just for old people? Yeah, well, in today's society or youth, I should say, there's a lot more new technology around. So, Children nowadays or teenagers, whatever you want to call them, will see a bird and they say, oh, that's a pigeon or that's an eagle. But there's a lot more. And now there's things like 5G network coming out and PlayStation 5 or whatever. So a lot of the younger youth will be heading towards that and not think uh, birding and nature's boring and not have any interest in it. Yeah, I mean, some oaks might save up for a PS5 or a Xbox, water, 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 or you could look at us and we're saving up for the Swarovski Optic NL Pures 12 by 50s. Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, it's a totally different 
um, group of, I don't know, species of people, if you could say, uh, that, that, that birders are just so contrasted from the rest of the youth of today. Because, yeah, as you said, you know, people, they, their minds are set on different things. And I think that, you know, it's not, think, it's not thought of as something that youth do. Youth just need to get the experience in nature at a young age in order to understand why we do this. And even adults, you know, they look at us like, well, he's looking at birds. I mean, you could be driving race cars, man. You could be doing something else with your life. But it's, it's, an, it's a matter of appreciation, I think. Um, and also that thrill of adventure because, yeah, it's, it's, it's very much an adventurous thing. So something I actually mentioned on conservation conversations with BirdLife South Africa yesterday on their webinar that came out. I mentioned something about youth birding that, you know, as I said, birding isn't thought of as something that youth do. I mean, the, the youth trend today isn't about grabbing your camera, getting together with your friends, putting your hiking boots on and going and taking pictures of wildlife. You know, today, the, the trend of youth is more about getting together with your friends, grabbing your cell phone and going and taking selfies and, you know, putting your vans on instead of hiking boots. It's just not, it's just, it's just not something that youth are seen to do today, to be in wildlife, you know, getting dirty, appreciating animals. It's, it's just very, it's, it's sort of like a new thing, but I, I, from what I can see, it's actually something that's growing quite a lot among the youth of today, um, especially now with uh, the technology available, like cameras. I mean, now we've got these, um, what do you call it? Is it the mirrorless camera? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's quite insane, actually. I mean, now with everyone, it's, it's, it's becoming more affordable to buy cameras. And now with, with kids getting cameras these days, you can choose to do street photography or this photography or that photography. And many of them are taking photos of what's right in front of them. And often it, it ends up being wildlife and birds, to be specific. And I think I know some people who have gotten into birding through photography and I think that's that's one way that birding and wildlife interest is growing in youth these days. But yeah, talking about that, what are some of the challenges do you guys think of being a young birder? Sure, there's there's plenty of challenges that come with, with being younger than the majority. I think one of the one of the biggest challenges that we find as young twitchers or when we want to chase birds is that we struggle to to get lifts or we can get lifts but we cannot drive ourselves so if you live in a remote area then you'd be stuck at home and you wouldn't be able to get all the all the rarities that are found so not having a car and not being able to drive is definitely one of the one of the big challenges of being a, a younger birder yeah it's kind of true i have no that's very true i have a sort of like a story about that i i was staying in my neighborhood my previous neighborhood was right next to the botanical gardens and the garden route here and I heard that there was an African cuckoo hawk that had just been seen there. Um, and their range doesn't really occur here. The, the, the historic range occurred here, but the, the population's kind of been dying down. So I got really excited about it. And it was about a two kilometer walk. So my parents weren't home. So I jumped on my bike and I, I rode to the botanical gardens like as fast as I could. Got my bins on my back, flying in the air as I turn the corners and I, I try to get twitch this African cuckoo hawk, you know, in time. But unfortunately, it wasn't there. And then a couple of days later, I was actually just casually walking around and I saw it fly over my head and got some nice snaps. So yeah, I definitely can relate to that. Um, it's a good point. Yeah, it's safer to be in a vehicle to go and bird than walking alone to a destination. 
um, near you. Yeah, you carry binoculars that are expensive and camera gear that are expensive and you can get robbed. So being in a vehicle, it's much safer. And yeah. Yeah, it's quite true. I mean, yeah, walking around with my camera, I want to bring my camera wherever I go because you never know. I, even in town, I've actually brought my binoculars to a restaurant in town quite a few times, actually, now that I think about it. But, you know, walking around town with my binoculars in the daytime or nighttime uh, on a very rare occasion, I, I do kind of feel like it's not usual and people see this expensive, you know, gadget on me and they always looking at me and it is a it is a worry that I could get robbed one day. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, walking as a youngster around with your expensive equipment is a danger um, and cars are better to, to use, you know, as, as transport to get to, to destinations to go birding. Um, and some people, you know, only go birding in the, the urban park area, um, usually good birds there. And it's, it's, you know, sometimes it can be dangerous. It's, so it's best to walk in a group. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, if you go birding, it's nice to get a bunch of birders together your age to go walk, and that is a good op- that is a good reason to be in a bird club, which we can mention now. But it, that, that's another difficulty. You know, there's not always a lot of young birders in your area. <laughs> Even no matter the age, I mean, when that spurring lapwing pitched up in the Cape somewhere, hundreds of birders were going for that. And each day there were birders, and there were a few cases where um, some robbers scoped out and watched the whereabouts of people where they were walking to see the bird. And a few um, different like pairs or groups of people were robbed and all the expensive equipment was taken from them. Yeah, I remember that. So um, I'm actually part of a bird club in my area with Justin, Lakes Bird Club um, in the garden route. And that's actually how, as I said, I, I actually got more into birding. I, I started birding with my friend Justin and yeah, we, we joined the bird club and it totally boosted our, our knowledge and understanding of birds. And I'm sure you can agree, agree Justin, we, we joined the bird club and we brought the average age down to like 75 uh, because literally the majority were over 60. Um, but the very cool people, you know, I mean, so respectable. We had uh, Pete again. He wrote this book behind me, Ultimate Companion to Birding in Southern Africa. He, he's part of the club and we, we learned so much from him. And really, you know, you get a lot of attention in bird clubs when you're, when you're like under 20 years below the average age or so, you know? Um, and so I, we, we joined the bird club, youngest members there. Everyone's asking us how our recent birding trip was and like, how are you doing? And it's like, hi there, miss. Um, good. Thanks. How was yours? But you don't like know their name. There's so many people um, in this bird club that they all know you, but you don't know them. Um, so I'm, I'm part of a bird club. I'm not sure about you guys. Are you, is anyone over here part of a bird club? Yeah, Birdlife Port Hotel or the new Birdlife Echequeni. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I mean, there are some advantages, but there are a couple of disadvantages as well. You know, Zach, you were speaking a little bit about it earlier. Yeah, no, it's just a lot of the time, um, bird clubs, and it's, it's you can't blame them for it. They, they, they're not expansive and it's, it's quite repetitive and there's outings to this, this sort of same reserves over a cycle and and i know a lot of young birders who haven't seen much in their life they want to get out and they want to go see things and i know for me all i want to do is get to zululand and a lot of the time you know you know unfortunately the bird club doesn't organize trips there so that'll take preference if i get to go to zululand i'll take preference over a bird club so 
Mm. Yeah, you know, I think as young people, we like to get out and do things and see new things all the time. And yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, so it can be like quite slow at times, but that's totally understandable now that I'm a bit older. I, I understand. Um, but to, it actually, it really, it's what actually got me into birding, I must say. I was on Peter Ginn's walk in the gardens. He was doing a lecture and a talk uh, and a bit of bird guiding. And then his assistant, Christian, um, he he said, you know, listen, there's a bird club. Uh, you want to come on the next outing? I'll give you a lift. And so, yeah, uh, that's how Justin and I joined. And the old people really were like, Okay, I, I say old people, I just generalize them. But the yeah, they, they really were like our second family. They mentored us. I my mentors are all from the bird club basically. Yeah, yeah. Um and the odd yeah. person I met on the streets who was birding, uh, you know, but but yeah, I think um that's a good point that you made there. Yeah, and and, and back to talking about you mentioned there not being a lot of young birders around. One thing that's different nowadays is that there's technology and technologies have a huge advantage. For that, I mean, I've met birders like you, Mark, and John Ray, and I haven't met you guys, but I, I know you guys pretty well. I know a lot of guys from Cape Town, from Joburg, mm. Victoria, and I know all these guys, and, you know, you build a relationship with them. You never met them, and it's pretty cool. So internet's allowed for, you know, to create a bigger youth circle of birders, which is, mm. you know, really, really cool. And then when you do see each other, you feel like you know each other, and you can get along, and you can go and bird. It's yeah, just man. pretty cool. Yeah, and it's quite ridiculous how all five of you guys. I've never actually, well, I've I've met um, I've met Justin and Yandre <laughs> physically, but the other three I've never met you guys. But we're all part of the birding life, and we're we're ambassadors. It's kind of crazy, you know. But it's it's a pity yeah. we're all on other sides of the country. But uh, yeah, I guess during okay. my travels, we'll we'll meet each other sometime, show each other birding spots that we know. Um, it'll be quite a cool experience. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad yeah. actually that we're separated around the country because now I have some go-to yeah, people. But yeah, I, I want to mention actually something, you know, you know, this, the, the youth today, how they're being more exposed than usual, given the opportunity to have more of a voice. This activism is really cool. You know, people are doing a good job and allow for allowing people, the youth and young people to, to have more of a voice in, in conservation and everyday um, problems. But, you know, it's it, it you get to a point where you can actually be cocky um and there's there's a line that is drawn where you've had enough to say you know what i mean so i think there's this you know that the youth activism is a cool thing but the, it to a certain point um you know mm -hmm. because the, the older people are there to learn from and yeah. some of them are not done yet you know still climbing mountains still going on the bird outings that uh, have been scheduled for the year and are the same every year they're still oh, really cool people, um, I must say, from my experience at least. And um, yeah. you've got so much to learn from them. So I think that us youth, you know, we must carry on with our voices and pushing conservation, but we must never lose our respect uh, for the older, older people, the older folk and our elderlies. It's very important. I mean, I'm so grateful to many of the, the, older, the older generation in Durban who got me into birding basically here in Westville. They got me into the bird club. Um, I know that the chair lady of BirdLife Wooden Toll has really been amazing. There's been many, many wonderful ladies that have often offered to pick me up and take me birding. And yo, I'm so grateful for them. And I think as, as, as young people and young birders, even though we sometimes have done lots of research and we think we know a lot, there's still a lot to learn from the old people. 
And I think it's very important that that elderly respect is not tainted and that it remains. And I think that that's how it's supposed to be. It should be both. It should be we should be working together. It shouldn't be yeah. the older generation dominating the market. Because I believe that the, the younger generation, they have a, a far bigger impact than the older generation. But the younger generation don't have the experience and the wisdom that the older generation do. Yeah. So yeah. if we could find a way to work together to just unite on our common interest of, of birds, I think the, the outcome could be incredible. Indeed. The second edition of the Virtual African Bird Fair will take place over a day and a half and will feature all the attributes of a physical bird fair, including talks, workshops, exhibitor stalls, and auction and social networking, with the added benefit that you can enjoy it from your own home. There will be a number of top-notch speakers, including Chris Packman, the presenter of BBC Spring and Autumn Watch, and David Lindo, the urban birder. The virtual bird fair was born out of the need to reimagine BirdLife South Africa's popular African bird fair, traditionally held in Johannesburg each year in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. The proceeds from this event go straight into supporting BirdLife South Africa's important conservation work. Check out BirdLife South Africa's website and social media pages for registration details. For more information, email birdfair.com. 2021 at birdlife.org.za. We'll put all the links into the comment section of this episode. This is actually another challenge that us young birders might actually be facing because there's these epic things that we want to do and we might have life lists higher than a lot of other older people and we, we want to get out there, you know, and go on like a flock to Marion that's coming up. But um, exactly, we don't have the budget to do this. Say that, Mark. Say that. Say that. It's quite a luxurious we thing. We don't I must have say. the finance yet. But um, it's yeah. I can't say no. I deserve it. But you know what? It's it's something I want to do. You know, I think there's going to be a lot more adults going than than youth. Obviously, under twenty one. Definitely, yeah. Um, or under thirties, should we say? But yeah, man. No, we've got to find a way to get there. Um, the Birding Life Ambassadors. We are going to rock that boat, man. <laughs> we've got to make yes. a plan to get there. Sheesh. We don't want to sink it like the Titanic, so we should keep it down a bit, okay? <laughs> yeah, let's not rock the boat. Let's just get on the boat. But hey, anybody from overseas, if you're listening, you can sponsor us. <laughs> just don't do that. Yes. So I think uh, if, there's anyone, if there's anyone who like drops out and doesn't have their ticket, uh, the Birding Life ambassadors are available. We really we want to make a plan to get on that boat and see what's going yes. out there. Um, we don't want to pay. Much, uh, we just want to get. I think we can all agree that that would probably be our our next our next mission in terms of birding this year. Hey, I mean, how yeah. often does the flock happen? Not once often. every four Maybe years or so. Years. Sure, it's like a Olympic. And, and this it's is not going to happen most... to Marion Island again. I doubt it. Sure. I mean, it might happen this to, is the most to Gough Island that's or something happen else. In a long time. Wow. Okay. Well, that's really special. Sure. No, you won't. You won't get to go back to Marion Island. The chances are so small. So if you don't get on there, you probably will never see Kegalen turn. You'll probably that's probably the only one that you have to go to Marion for. Mm. Kegalen petrol is going to be so cool. Yo, bro, yeah. I can't under, I can't comprehend the birds that you will get there. It's just not. It's not English to me. So you're gonna to have to give oh, yeah. a lesson, Zach. But uh, yeah, guys, so just to round it off, what are some of like your favorite birding spots in your local area? Just a quick summary. Uh, Justin, let's start with you. 
Sure. My all-time favorite is most definitely the Swartberg Mountain Pass. The number of birds, and not only birds, but reptiles and butterflies and animals that are all up there are just incredible. And the pass itself is just stunning. Mm. So that would most definitely be my favorite spot in my my area. Mm. And Yandere, what would you say is yours in your local area? Well, this isn't too local, but it's in Waregauteng. So I'll consider it as something. Um, definitely Zorkel. I mean, that place in the summer, it's a feast. It's definitely one of South Africa's best birding destinations. I've never been there or heard much about it. What is it like? What are the habitats? Bushveld habitat. And then you also get Humuhumu floodplain, which is fantastic for any type of water bird or stuff like that. Yeah. So there has yeah. been crazy sightings over this, well, in this year. So yeah, there's been breeding striped crags at multiple spots in Zorkel and also some crazy records of streaky-breasted flacktail. I don't know if they were breeding there, but they were present at Homo Homo. And there was also the other day Black Google, but no one saw it, but the recording was recorded. Well, it's called. Wow. So yeah, it's really an amazing place. It's a fantastic spot. Tristan, what would you say is your favorite spot? Well, definitely northern Natal. So Zululand with the sheer amount of thornfelt, sand forests, wetlands. Hmm. It's produced a number of rarities over the years and just the sheer amount of species and wildlife found there. Wow. And uh, I mean, for all those international listeners... Uh, listening to this podcast now if you're not from south africa um these are just some of the habitats that you get here and i i i'm so keen to get up to kwazulu natal province uh i've never been there as a birder but zach you also stay there uh what are some of your spots or what's your favorite spot there yeah it's, it's pretty it's pretty difficult to choose a, a select spot um because you has got beautiful diversity of habitats um but if i were to choose a an easy destination from durban i'd probably choose Mtunzini. Um, it's sort of coastal habitat, coastal grassland. It's got an estuary, lots of mangroves. Mm. It's got some really cool birds this time of the year. There's mangrove kingfisher there. But then in the summer, it's when it really picks up. Quite, there's, there's some African crakes that hang around there. Every now and then a corn crake is seen. There's black kookles mm. that breed in the grasslands there. African finfoot, there's quite a few sites along the estuary. Yeah, and then, then uh, you've got Ngoya forests where... It's the only place in Southern Africa where the green barbet can be found. There's also oh, the yeah. street green bull there. Yeah, it's a really nice day out. There's another dam where you can get pygmy goose and whiteback duck right there. Southern band snake eel, you can also get that there. Yeah. So, yeah, there's some, some really cool things. Really big array of yeah, But, you know, it's also difficult because northern Zululand is just absolutely immaculate. You know, you've got Ndumo and Tembi and Kuzi and Mpempe Pans where we recently had a buff sandpiper. Mm. so yeah it's just you know, hard to choose lovely yeah there's quite an uh, quite a big array of species there i think you know yeah. the, you get forests all along the coast of south africa except for you know uh namibia where there's the skeleton coast and the, the desert there um but the forest and the garden route very much differs to the forest in kwazulu natal just a bit of interesting facts here for those non-south african um viewers <laughs> uh yeah i mean you don't get those green malcoas here in the garden roots where there's forest you don't get the green barbets so i think because natal is much more dense 
uh, in terms of uh, biodiversity in those forests. But I think for my spot, my favorite spot in this area of the garden route, it's hard to choose between the Klein Karoo, which is a semi-arid desert area between the Swartberg and the Ostnikwa, and uh, Fulflay, which basically translates to Bird Lake, except it's a floodplain that only fills up every few years with water. Um, I mean, purely because of the memories I had there. Uh, when I went there with Justin, we camped there the one night after it had rained for the first time in four or five years. And we found, uh, talking about buff-breasted sandpipers, Zach, we found two buff-breasted sandpipers. I think, I think it was the first time in the sub-region that was recorded with two individuals at one, at one time. That's correct. And it was the first yeah. record for the garden route. So, yo, we're totally chuffed about that. So those are two of my favorite spots that it's very hard to choose from. Now, unfortunately, Connor uh, has left the, the conversation because load shedding is happening there in Gauteng. Um, so we can't, um, unfortunately, we can't hear from him what his favorite spot is, but it's also near where Yandere stays. So there you have it, a couple of nice habitats and spots in South Africa that uh, the ambassadors enjoy um, and some of the places that you might want to consider going. But yeah, guys, there you have it, the Birding Life Ambassadors. That's us, and I uh, hope you have a happy youth day. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website, www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders, and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a life list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.